The following podcast contains explicit language. We have to start by building a wall. I'm not going to pay for that wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. I mean, everything is negotiable. It's not negotiable about building said, it. I actually said, no, building it, not negotiable. It's not negotiable. If they ever get up there, they're in trouble. Because there's no way to get down. Maybe a rope. Hello and welcome to TrumpCast, the show about the man who may support amnesty for some illegal immigrants, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. That's right. Trump said on Monday that his policy on illegal immigrants would be humane and fair. CNN asked his new campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, if that meant that he no longer favored his old policy of deporting 11 million illegals. To be determined, she said. The weird trend here isn't Trump contradicting himself, which happens every 17 seconds or so. It's his nearly week-long stretch of relative moderation and self-restraint. He's been on his best behavior for six days running. What's causing this curious decline in crazy outbursts? And can it last until the weekend? I'll be back to discuss that with Anna Marie Cox right after we do the tweets. I heard that at Morning Joe was very nice on Friday, but that little Donnie D, a big failure in TV, and someone I helped was nasty, irrelevant. Tried watching low-rated at Morning Joe this morning. Unwatchable. At Morning Micah is off the wall, a neurotic and not very bright mess. Someday, when things calm down, I'll tell the real story of at Joe NBC and his very insecure longtime girlfriend at Morning Micah. Two clowns. President Obama should have gone to Louisiana days ago instead of golfing. Too little, too late. Ann Coulter's new book, in Trump We Trust comes out tomorrow. People are saying it's terrific. Knowing Ann, I'm sure it is. The Washington Post quickly put together a hit job book on me, comprised of copies of some of their inaccurate stories. Don't buy boring. My guest today is Anna Marie Cox. She's a senior political correspondent for MTV News. She also writes that great talk interview column for the New York Times Magazine, where she is a contributing editor. Anna, welcome to the show. Hello. It is good to be here. So we have lots of things to talk about in Trump world. The first is uh, Trump's slight adjustment, shall we say, on his stand on immigration. (laughs) He's for an amnesty now. He wants to let illegal immigrants stay here. But he still wants the wall, which is actually impossible to build. So he's 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 for the symbolic thing still. <laughs> I actually am of the mind that um, in some ways this is actually a, a scary turn of events, that it's not a sign of any kind of move to the middle, but rather it's not his move that worries me. It's the fact that his supporters seem to just be accepting it in stride, which says to me this was never about a specific policy. It's a cult of personality and it's about emotions. 
and not about policy at all. It's actually, I mean, I presume you have also spoken to, you know, Trump supporters. And one of the things that stands out to me in, in talking to them is that they're kind of policy nihilists. They don't really believe anything anybody says anyway. They just like to have Trump say what he says. Right. It's like, okay, the earth is round. And I know we said it was flat, but that was never the point. Exactly. Exactly. What the point is, is that this man feels my anger and articulates the things that I feel need to be articulated. I mean, there are two ways to look at Trump, right? I mean, you you can say he has he's an extremist with extreme views on race and immigration and a whole set of issues. Or you can say the guy is just an opportunistic demagogue and doesn't believe anything at all except what a crowd responds to. This is actually a little hard to interpret in either light, because why did suddenly this kind of favorite red meat position of his need modification if he's just a demagogue? Well, I do think he I mean, I do lean towards the demagogue with no real set beliefs theory of Trump. (laughs) I I do, too, by the way. (laughs) And I I guess I see in this um, some sort of acknowledgement that he needs to change his pitch, sales pitch. I think that he was probably that, that whoever appealed to him. I'm guessing, you know, everyone sort of supposes that these tacks are, you know, Kellyanne Conway is doing since she's the actual experienced political consultant here, and also she's worked on Amnesty before. She was, she worked, you know, she's been a consultant for Mark Zuckerberg's pro-immigration. So it was her position. It was his his right. uh, advisor's position. It might as well be his position. Right. Exactly. And I think that he probably has never listened to anyone who says you need to change who you are. But you need to change what you say so you can sell to more people is probably what he understands as a pitch man. And I think that that might be what is happening here because he is probably going to insist that there's no real change in policy. Yeah. Right. Like and and I think some people are going to be like, yeah, there is no real change in policy. Yes, there's going to be passive citizenship, but we're still going to have a wall and we're still going to not allow illegals, whatever that means. Do you also see the uh, the hand of Conway in his so-called reaching out to black voters, which is <laughs> which is a funny reach out? You know, he's he's been doing it in like white neighborhoods. He won't actually speak to any black audiences. He's, he's turned down all those invitations. And what he says in reaching out to black voters is your lives are horrible. Yeah, we're going to make them better. But I mean, he has his perception of the reality of black America is like the really racist scenes from Live and Let Die from the 70s. It's like, you know, people getting Shanghai in Harlem, <laughs> like, you know, riot, race riots, right. you know, neighborhoods burning. I like was, he does. But yeah, I was thinking escape from New York, except with black people. <laughs> um, I also I do see the hand of his consultants in this so-called outreach because I'm not the first person to make this observation. This is outreach not at black people, but at white people who don't want to be considered racist. Right. Although that's not that's nothing new. I mean, that's a well trod part of the Republican playbook. They're not they don't have much hope of getting black votes, but they can win or lose suburban white votes depending on whether people think they are racially hostile. Right. And and, and what's really ironic here is, of course, it's, it's still racially hostile messaging. I keep on expecting him to say something about people needing, you know, young men needing to pull their pants up. I mean, it's that (laughs) level of like stereotypes and respectability politics. And it's the kind of thing that white people in the suburbs think that black people need to hear as though they haven't heard it before. What's really striking to me about this so-called black outreach is is how just dumb it is. <laughs> like, it doesn't pass like the even if, if someone had the most mild curiosity about the African-American experience in America, you would not say these things. 
right? Yeah. Like if you ha- if you had any thought in your head about it or cared to ask a black person, <laughs> you probably more than one someone besides Ben Carson. Yeah, um, or one who didn't work for you. Yeah, one who didn't work for you. You would get some feedback that would lead you to a different direction in saying this. I mean, it's this idea that you, all I have to do is point out that they've been electing Democrats and they're still poor. That's all. That's it. That's it. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and crime, crime, crime. Yeah. But, but, you know, but there is some kind of I mean, however, you know, insanely delivered, there is some effort to moderate and move to the center. You know, you saw it starting, I think, with when his 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 vague apology where he said, you know, regrets. I've had a few. Can't tell you what they're about. <laughs> but, you know, if anybody's feelings were hurt by anything, I'm sorry. Except I only hurt your feelings because I was telling the truth. Right. <laughs> It is like the worst, like if a husband made that apology, he would be sleeping on the couch, right? (laughs) Like it is, it is like the worst, I'm sorry if your feelings were hurt, but I'm still right kind of apology. And he didn't say what he was talking about, you know, at all, which makes it kind of a non-apology and not apology needs to specify what you're apologizing for. Um, I am interested to see how long this lasts. I mean, obviously you're an astute Trump observer, and in the past, these tacks of less abusive language, you know, less colorful language, sticking to script, have always been followed by the pendulum swinging the other way and him saying something just kind of insane. That's our assumption. But this has lasted maybe five days. It was kind of a quiet, long weekend for Trump world. And the only like actively insane thing he seems to be doing is this sort of attacks on Hillary's health, which he's mainly not doing himself. I mean, he's doing it through his Charlie McCarthy puppet, Sean Hannity. (laughs) And, you know, he's saying, oh, she doesn't have the physical stamina, but he's being very coded about it. But he's he's sort of putting that out there, but not in the usual way Trump would do, where he would give you a list of the, of the ailments he thinks she's suffering from. Right. I, I always feel like when he says she doesn't have the strength and stamina, that's a really long version. Why doesn't he just say penis? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what, why he's going through all this you know, rigmarole about stamina. Um, but uh, in Sean Hannity, I think, is does think he's a doctor. But uh, you're right. That's, I do think that's a really despicable tack, I have to say. Um, I was watching, um, I think, CNN last night, and, and someone pointed out that when Bill Clinton campaigned against um, HW, uh, he was doing his thousand points of light shtick at the time. And the Clintons never said anything about it. You could have mocked it. We might today might mock it. You know, I think yeah. I personally mocked it. <laughs> I know right? I did. But that was not something the campaign decided, you know what, that's, a, you know, whatever. He means right. well, we won't go after that. Can you imagine? I mean, that was a decision that was made. And today, like with the way that Trump is campaigning and I'm and that Hillary is also kind of it's true. She's been she's had a choice. She's made a choice to do a sort of similar thing. Like, I don't think she's playing quite as dirty, but it's the way that this whole race has gone. Talk about your uh, penis point a little more. Um, the um, no, no, because I, I I actually think you're on to the uh, something there. I mean, I had Masha Gessen on to talk about Putin, and uh, she said I thought it was a very astute observation that you know part of Putin's sympathy for Trump is just about how insulted he is by the idea that his counterpart would be a woman. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I and I detect a little bit of that in Trump, too. It's, it's sort of, the, the you know, the point you were getting at that it's like it's Hillary, but it's also that Hillary's female and he he still has the instinct. That this is a business for men. Right. And I think that's actually I, I wrote a piece about this last week, which is that it's when, when he, his accusation of crooked Hillary. Yes, there is some there there about her practices, although what's interesting to me about it is that everything he accuses her of is something that he himself has done, like exactly the same thing, this kind of favor trading, um, sort of self-dealing, the friends and family sort of keeping, you know, uh, playing a very inside game is something that he's bragged about. Contributing to the Clinton Foundation? Contributing (laughs) to the Clinton Foundation, exactly. I think that when he's talking about crooked Hillary, what he's doing is playing on an idea that she has to be crooked. She's a woman and she's successful. There is no way that she could be where she is without having cheated. That is the only explanation for a woman winning. That's like, you know, if Katie Ledecky beat him in the swimming pool, he would say she was on steroids. Or even that it's cheating in a way for women to do the same things that he's obviously done. If a man does it, it's not cheating. It's just business. Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And I think that it's sort of I called it kind of a form of birtherism in that it's a it's a circumstance of Hillary's birth that disqualifies her from president as well, which is that she was born a woman. You know, <laughs> like in her case, her birth certificate is not the problem. It's her gender. And I think that it's the same. This this stamina code is pretty much the same thing. It, it is a not very veiled, I feel like, indication that, you know, she's weak and she's weak because she's a woman and she's an old frail woman. And I am strong. I am a man. I am, of course, as his supposed doctor said, the healthiest man to ever be president. (laughs) Um, I am really looking forward to that coming up in debate. I hope it comes up in the debate. So how long do you give the uh, the spell of Conway? When when will we have the old Donald Trump back? You know, I don't know. Like, this reminds me a little bit of the last days of, well, this is really last days of the McCain campaign. When McCain was convinced by his aides that for the good of the country, he needed to play a little dirtier, right? you know, McCain being McCain, he couldn't quite play dirty just to win, but for the good of the country, he could do it. (laughs) I think with Trump, it's almost the opposite. Like he has been forced into a more dignified kind of (laughs) in order to win, (laughs) you know, um, like I, I think the damage has been pretty much done. And I I wonder if we're, I mean, like, I think that where we might see the old Trump is on the debate stage when he can't have someone whispering his ear, when he can't be on a a teleprompter or a transcript or a script, when he is going to be faced with this woman who he clearly has no respect for. And she might make him, I think that her demeanor that we, you know, she always gets criticized for being too not very charismatic. She's not very funny. She's not very, you know, her style is such that I almost think that's the exact style that could get under his skin. Yeah. That she just knows what she's talking about. I think competence is his kryptonite. Well said. All right, Anna, it's great talking to you. Thanks for joining me on the show today. No problem. Anytime. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.
Wow, this is absolutely incredible. Ann Coulter's new book, In Trump We Trust, came out today, and it's already the biggest-selling book in history behind Art of the Deal and the Bible. 